0: Welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Mission Cigar and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debbin. I'm joined by a man whose favorite brand of loafers is Union Buster Browns, Mr. Shane Reeves.
1: I don't get it. Union Buster. Oh, okay. Yeah, you were talking about me complaining about unions earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Well... We'll, we'll get back into that argument at a later date. <laughs>
0: I just couldn't resist the,
1: a good word play. Well, we've, we've got a guest with us this week, and we haven't had Pedro on. What's it been, a couple of years? Uh, at least. At least. Yeah. Maybe three, pull it up to you maybe three uh, Shane. Oh, yeah. It's been a little while since we've... um.
2: That was before the virus, actually.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. We we're, yes. were back
1: at the old shop.
2: You're looking at three and a half, four years. It's yeah.
1: been a little while, but yeah. Don Pedro Gonzalez is with us from Don Gonzalez Cigars, my dear friend, Trey's friend. It's, a, it's my pleasure to be here. We're, we're excited. I love that you
0: always look so dapper. You just you have a, an air about you. You just look so put together. So you've got you you, you look the part.
1: Well, I I try. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Don Gonzalez looks like a cigar. Company owner should because there's a lot of guys come in here that look like they're straight out of central casting Uh for um, you know Mexican cartel (laughs) it's going to be that kind of show
2: (laughs) but Pedro Pedro
1: looks like a person that would be in charge of a cigar company
2: well I again you know I that's the way I've been all my life I mean that's uh...
1: so Don Gonzalez cigar how many cigars a year y'all make
2: we actually do very well, especially the last uh, three years. I mean, cigars are, there's a boom on cigars right now. Yep. And what do you attribute the boom to? You know, that's a very good question. I mean, I uh, I remember uh, March uh, 20 uh, when this virus came in and I said to myself, what's gonna happen? I don't know if anybody knew what was gonna happen. Yeah. And uh, believe it or not, my family uh, actually hostaged me for three months inside of the house. They wouldn't allow me to go outside. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. True story. And finally, one day after three months, I said to myself, you know what? I took the keys of the car and went outside. And that was it. We can't you know. stop you now. But here's the good news. The good news is that I didn't do any traveling. I, uh, I didn't know you know, what the future was going to bring, but I kept getting uh, orders. So I said to myself, let me talk to my other guys and see what's happening. And everybody was on the same page. Yeah. So uh, now I, the only answer that I can give you is that people stay home and they're smoking more. I know I have been. Yeah, that's that's about the only answer that I can give you. Yeah, Shane, well, speaking- Shane's no longer a
0: one cigar a day guy. No, I'm
1: I'm usually two or three. Yeah. I'm usually a two or You're three. You're up in age. my territory now. Yeah. Speaking of which, I was, I'm sorry I got to talking to Pedro and forgot to get Trey the info on I know. On his I was cigar. getting impatient over here. So Trey is used to, when we have an interview with you, having a fresh cigar. So I've switched it on him.
2: I actually got him one of the
1: Sangre de Toro
2: wrappers. Oh, man. that's That was a... Uh... Now, that wrapper, I I think I only brought it once. But that is a very special wrapper. And what I like about that wrapper is the flavor. I mean, it's excellent flavor.
1: Well, you, you know, I got those, you were hand-rolling those, I guess it's been a couple of years ago. No, more than that.
2: I think it was more yeah. than that.
1: And they've been aging in my humidor and I think I've got four left and you've got one of the four that I have left.
0: Well, I feel special. I, I feel bad about the Union Buster comment now. Huh. What, uh, say the name of the wrapper again?
2: Go ahead, Pedro. Sangre de Toro. Okay. That's that, uh, it's like a uh, blood uh, wrapper, you know, color wrapper. It's a, uh, but the flavor is just incredible.
0: Okay. Yeah, off of first light, it, it is, it it's very unlike anything I've ever smoked.
1: I mean, I'm just
2: it barely is, getting into it. It is very different.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's the, the blood of the bull. Okay. I'm smoking the Don Gonzalez 10th Anniversary San Andreas, and... I, I cheated tonight, Trey was a little later getting here due to the storms, and I've been sitting back here, so I've been smoking on my cigar now for about an hour. So I'm about two-thirds down, but <laughs> yes. I've got another if I need it.
2: <laughs> you yeah, have more than one.
1: Yes. And I, that's my favorite, my favorite cigar you make.
2: Well, that happens to be a uh, San Andres wrapper, which actually, is, uh, to me, is the best Maduro wrapper in the market. Now it's what? getting a little pricey, though. Is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes.
0: Is it just supply or just getting well, your hand?
2: it's actually supply and demand. Yeah. You know, and there's only so much that they, uh, you know, that they, they can produce. Uh, that rapper comes from Veracruz, Mexico. Okay. And that's it. You know, it's, and, and it's such a great rapper that everybody wants it. Yeah. 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 I, I,
0: we, we want it. I, I'm sure no, if we want it, everybody loves it, it. Everybody yeah. loves it.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, the San Andreas wrapper. I just really like. I've just this is my favorite cigar you make. I probably
2: smoked ten boxes of these it in my has, life. It has a unique flavor. It does. Yeah. Now, which one are you smoking tonight? Uh, this is my uh, part of my tenth uh, anniversary. Um, it's a six and a half by fifty-six Connecticut. Okay, which right. I I sometimes smoke one of those because I'm mainly in a habano uh, type of. Uh,
1: yeah, um, uh, yeah. I a, don't know that I ever see you smoke a really full cigar, a really full.
2: I, you know what, Shane? That's a good question. I, uh, I'm not a big drinker, so I, um, I am not a full body cigar. Now I smoke them, especially when I go to the factories in Nicaragua, uh, but that's mainly just to test them out and, and see, uh, you know, the blending and you know what goes inside of it. All right. But uh, he's right.
1: Yeah. Okay, so what, what I want to do, I've got to cover this news story with you. Go ahead. Because it's going to lead me to a question that, I, that is has totally... Has plagued you for years. Has plagued me for years, and there's really? probably no way you can answer this question, but I think if anybody's got the answer for me, it's got to be you. Man, that's got to be a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. Whoa. So this is from Aficionado. It's cigars and gold from the deep sea, So they found a shipwreck that was shipwrecked for a hundred, sunk for 135 years, and in it was 35 Cuban cigars, and the container was sealed, and they pulled them up, and they've been freeze drying them and bringing them back to life. These cigars that are now have been under the sea for I think is it 130, 134
0: years? 13four
1: wow. years. I haven't heard of that. Yeah, and they—it was also the you know—and shows what a cigar nerd I am. They're sitting there. I'm reading, and I'm saying, "Oh yeah, ship of gold, yeah, doubloons, Spain." Get to the cigars, <laughs> okay?
0: <laughs> so, there's medallions. There's yeah. gold coins. Yeah. No, the cigars no. are what's important. No,
1: I, I want to know about the 35 cigars, not the 425 people that drowned. <laughs> I want to know about the cigars. <laughs> but you can see it was actually in this sealed um, chest that they had down there. So the cigars did not get exposed to the salt water and all other than just what natural you know humidity was going to occur from being at the bottom of the ocean but they got them up here so here's my question I want to make a seaweed cigar I mean so if you're watching these nature shows you see these huge kelp forests and these kelp forests got these great big leaves and I want to drag one of them out I want to have it analyzed. I want to find a sim- version of kelp. Now, here's my question. Am I looking for a version of kelp that has nicotine in it? Am I looking for a tar? If I was breaking down, you've been around tobacco all your life. If I was breaking down trying to find a seaweed I could roll a cigar out of,
2: what would I look for? Would I look for nicotine? Man, I'll tell you what, Shane. You got me on this one here, man. <laughs> And that's a uh that's not an easy answer i mean i uh now I can tell you that on going back to that uh, those cigars the thirty five cigars
1: uh-huh
2: uh, the key to that was uh, the fact that they were sealed and they were sealed properly because otherwise they would have been gone mm-hmm. and they actually looked to i'm looking at the uh, uh picture of them. And they look beat up, you know. They look like they've been around. And if it's 130 years, you know, rightfully so. But believe it or not, those cigars, from what I'm looking at, you can still bring it back to life. Would you? Would you need to well, scrape you, you, the wrapper? No, no, or would no, you? no, no. You leave them just exactly the way they are, and humidify them, and then give them air conditioner as well. And you'd be surprised. You'd
1: be surprised. Okay, so answer me this, because I'm I'm still working on my seaweeds. No, as far
2: as I see weeds, man, I, (laughs) uh, you know, I, I mean, I, one thing I'm not going to do is lie to you. (laughs) Well. it's, I, I, and I hate to say it, because, you know, I have a saying that you never say, no, won't, don't, can't,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, but I, I don't know about that one, man. Now if I had to give you if you put a gun on my head and, and and you say, well you have to give me an answer, I'll say that you can get some nicotine out of it. So
1: if I had so let's say that I found a, a version of kelp that was suitable for curing and turning into a wrapper leaf. And then I just had a good Nicaraguan binder and filler. We just put me together a real good Nicaraguan binder and filler. And I use the seaweed as a wrap, which doesn't have... Say the seaweed has a very low nicotine content. I
0: really hope you call it the the salmon roll, the the sushi roll. Like, you've got to... <laughs> we'll, we'll
2: have to come... We'll have to work on the name. <laughs> well, if you go back, uh, Shane, to the Indians, and now we're going back now, all right? I understand that they, what they used to... What they did use as a wrapper was the uh, banana leaves. Okay. I mean, I'm going back yeah, when right? they were the only ones I knew about cigars, so it could be possible. Yeah.
1: So, if I had a good binder and filler, I wouldn't. and I just had a wrapper that didn't taste bad, I could build my seaweed cigar? Perhaps. You, you and I are going to work on that. You, <laughs> know, you and I, we're going to get together. You're, you're going to make millions oh, you know, off, man, the, I, off the seaweed cigar, the Don Gonzalez now, open now, sea? No, I know where you're heading. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to make a fortune. We're going to call it the Kraken. We're going to roll it in a 6x90? <laughs> it's going to be called no, the Kraken. <laughs> no, going
2: back to the <laughs> Indians, remember that back then, you know, there's, there, were, there was no fermentation process. There was nothing. You know, and that's I understand that's what they did. Yeah. So, how
1: did... So, they did the banana leaves. What did they use for binder and filler? Did they I still have use no tobacco? Idea.
2: I guess they did. So but, but the wrapper was different back then. You know, there was no. What's the most exotic tobacco somebody's ever tried to sell you? Man. Man, you're full of questions. Sir. <laughs> exotic in what way?
1: Just what you would consider just an exotic. Maybe, you know, maybe uh, rare Yeah, kind of a rare kind of Like the Sangre de Toro I've never had a Sangre de Toro wrapper That's the only ones I've ever seen So I, I assume some guy brought a donkey in Had a, a pack <laughs> full of Sangre de Toro And said, hey Pedro, would you like to try this? Or I've, I, That's in my head how this works <laughs> but What's the most exotic tobacco somebody's ever rode in And said, hey, I want you to try this?
2: Well, I had many of those, honestly. I mean, I, uh, I always get uh, a lot of customers and people that actually say to me, hey, I want you to try this particular cigar, you know, this particular wrapper. But, you know, regardless, uh, Shane, it all goes back to the uh, basics, you know, the standard uh, wrappers. So when you look at a wrapper leaf, what are you looking for? Well, you want to make sure that there's no spots on it. Uh, You want to make sure that it's, uh, um, you know, it's netted. You know, like we have a section in Nicaragua, uh, Jalapa. Mm -hmm. That section is known for wrappers. And we call that tapado, meaning they put the net.
1: Okay, that they put the shade over it when they grow it so that it don't get too dark.
2: Exactly. And
1: I'll net it. See, now I know the term for that. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I was just curious, you know is is because I'm sure stuff comes in all the time your farmers will say, "Hey, my neighbor's raising this crop is there any is there anybody genetically engineering better tobacco crops in Nicaragua or is it still pretty well, traditional
2: you know that's a very good question you know every crop could be different, you know, and that you know, one of the things on the cigar business that could be attained, but it's not easy, is to have consistency. Right. All right. And uh, I've seen crops that are excellent, and I've seen, uh, like a few years ago, it happened in Nicaragua. Actually, we had a bug there that uh, destroyed a lot of crops, and people lost millions of dollars. I think that happened about five, six years ago.
1: Yeah. Well, and didn't Fuente lost a crop of wrapper leaf this year to a hailstorm?
2: Well, no, that was, last, no, that was uh, last year when they had the uh, back-to-back uh, hurricanes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, no, that was back-to-back. Yeah, that was something that it could happen every 1,000 years to have two hurricanes within two weeks of each other. Yeah.
1: So if, so if you have a crop of wrapper leaves. And say that happens. Does that wrapper leaf is it now thrown away or does it go no, become binder no, filler? That's, How that's, do you do it? That's gone. It's gone. It's Done. just there's no. What's it's gone. the
2: so? What's the difference? See the the. Here's what I'm saying. When you initiate the uh, tobacco tree with the uh, seeds, and then you basically after. 12 inches goes to the surco which is what you planted mm-hmm. water is your best friend now once you start growing and it gets to a certain point water could be your enemy as well susceptible to too much water yeah Yeah. so case like that is, is there's nothing you can do about that they're gone but if you had kelp, <laughs>
1: then more water, the better. That's right. My kelp <laughs> cigar, water would be no issue. Well,
2: we need to find out.
0: But especially if California gets their way. So they've got a bill on the table right now, which probably won't go anywhere. But essentially, anybody who was born after January 1st, 2007, they're never going to be able to buy tobacco in the state of California. So if we... So if we ban all tobacco, specifically tobacco, and you can get nicotine out of, a, out of seaweed, and you start making seaweed cigars, you're ahead of the curve.
1: Well,
2: Shane, how, how did you come up with that idea, man?
1: Okay, if you read the book from Jules Verne, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, when he is first on board with Nemo on the Nautilus, the Nemo hands him a cigar. Which I'm not sure about smoking a cigar in a submarine. Seems like a bad idea. Seems like a rough idea. But yeah. he hands him a cigar and he says, well, you must maintain relations with Cuba. He says, no, I've found a nicotine-rich
2: seaweed. That's, so, that's, that's why the, the answer I gave you, the chances are that you're going to get nicotine out of it.
1: Right. So that's my, that was the genesis of my thought of, you know, yeah, we're going to have a couple of harvesters eat by sharks a year. <laughs> that's the cost of doing business that's, that's just part of doing business i mean you you've got jaguars in nicaragua don't you uh yeah here and there you, you ever lose a a farmer to a jaguar no okay well no. <laughs> you know these were the questions you were going to get to that did you <laughs> But I'm just saying that that becomes the cost of doing business. you got, you got a few sharks to deal with, a few whales, seals, things like that eating your we, got, we had a bad problem with seals eating up the crop this year, man. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this bill in California so this is kind of reflective of the bill they put in in the Netherlands. Where basically it becomes anybody born after this particular bill, anybody born after 2017 will never legally, Seven. or Seven. excuse me, Seven. 2007, will never legally be able to purchase tobacco that's, in I,
2: California. I agree with uh, Trace. I mean, I, I, I don't foresee that happening. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, right now you're looking at 16 years. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, you know.
1: What age? I'm curious if you, what age does the average is there an average age which a person starts smoking cigars? Because I started late in life. I was in my 30s before I ever smoked my first cigar.
0: I feel like the average is probably about
2: 28, 30, somewhere in that, where you've, you've been Actually, working Actually, you know what? In my case it was different. Um, I picked up cigarettes in the Army. OK, And I did that for like, 18 years. Until finally, uh, when I was 30s, one day I just said, you know what, I'm done. And I never had another cigarette, never again. So, because of my family business, I picked up cigars, and I've been smoking cigars since over 30 years.
1: And what were you saying, Trey, about... Well I was a you know I feel
0: like so I was 18. I smoked my first cigar on my 18th birthday as soon as I was legally able and I haven't stopped since. And but I'm I'm thinking I feel like you know the idea of a cigar in the US is is one of you know the monopoly man and the the guys in the back room of the of Congress, you know, writing laws that nobody likes and <laughs> And but I so I feel like in your late twenties, early thirties, maybe the birth of your first first kid, since that's kind of a ritual, or um, you know, you've got a you've got a nice job, you're, you're making some scratch, and you want to you go out with the guys, and it becomes a way to feel like you may. I feel like that kind of late twenties, early thirties is probably the average.
1: Okay, that that kind of been your experience from traveling.
2: Yes. Well, actually, uh, I can tell you that. Uh, the cigar business has changed, as far as that, uh, as far as that goes. Yeah. Uh, example: uh, years ago, I would say, uh, 15 years ago, 20, women did not smoke as much as they are smoking right now. There's yeah. a lot of women that are cigar smokers. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, they're real cigar smokers. Mm-hmm. Example. Change wife, Glenda, I think Glenda understands cigars. Oh yeah. And, and, and she knows the good and the bad and the ugly. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Now, yeah. I can also tell you that uh, nowadays, there's a good percentage of uh, men that they're smoking even in high 20s mm-hmm. and low 30s, where we never had that before. Yeah, I also think, you know,
0: we're seeing a lot more celebrities and athletes. You know, oh, definitely. What? And I think that's getting that's going to start skewing that a little bit younger, too,
2: as people want to emulate their
0: heroes. i and... give
2: you a better one. I know a lot of doctors. Oh, yeah. And they're cigar smokers. So have
1: you noticed the average age of the cigar consumer going down, down. in recent years? Yes, definitely. Being younger people getting into it? Definitely. Okay. Well, we're gonna step away from a break. We're gonna come back from the break. I got some other questions. I want to talk. I also want to talk to you about famous people that you've smoked with. Sure. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm also uh, not just cigar guys, but famous people in general, and things like that. But we'll be back after this. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting beside Trey. No bump joke this week. That's I, all right. I, I didn't have time to construct one today. And Don, joined by Don Pedro Gonzalez. So, a little behind the scenes, we were just having a talk with the microphone off, and I, told, I asked Pedro, I said, please stop because I want to get this on tape at all. So, you were telling us that Tampa was not the first cigar factory in this country. No, sir.
2: The uh, first cigar factory in the U.S., if I remember correctly, was in 1937, and it was in Key West. Oh, okay. So you
1: got Connecticut. So now, I was going to say
2: Raleigh, North Carolina. That building is still there, by the way. And it's uh, like three blocks away from uh, uh, this famous uh, bar, uh, Sloppy Joe's. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. How
0: did I miss that? I was just in Key West about a year and a half ago.
2: The building's still there, by the way. That's really neat. Now, from there, went to Tampa, Key okay. West City. Yeah, and that's that, and it took off from there. Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, so I'm assuming Cuban immigrants started it in ta- or in Key West. I guess because that would be the closest point in the I'm United States sure to Cuba. I'm almost that, sure
2: that's that's the case. Yeah,
1: I, I would assume it would be Cuban immigrants come in and start that and all but that, that's an interesting thing so we were, before we left we were talking about the changing landscape of the cigar community and the different athletes and all that who's the most famous person that you've ever sat well, down and smoked you know
2: I remember very well when uh, Peyton Manning uh, used to play for Indianapolis mm-hmm. and I they won the Super Bowl in Miami as a matter of fact uh, my son was the assistant equipment manager for the Dolphins oh. so he worked that game and I remember that after the game uh, right after the game and you know after the uh, presentation and you know the whole nine yards I had some cigars with me and my son was taking care of uh, Peyton's uh, locker room so he walks into the locker room and I walked in with my son and I handed Peyton one of my cigars that's pretty cool yeah, yeah. and that goes back uh, what God, what Super Bowl was that uh, uh, I don't remember I'm I noise it's, it's got to be at least uh, 12 15 years yeah Maybe.
0: something it would have been yeah you know, early 2000s yeah
2: what'd you give him? I give him a Toro. This is it a Toro? Yeah, a Toro. Now, Connecticut a, a, rapper or Habano? No, no, Habano. And, and you know what? He smoked a damn cigar. Excellent. Yeah. You're now, there? another guy that I heard that he's also a good smoker is uh, Joe Burris. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't
1: smoke real cigars, he smokes those flavored cigars.
2: No, 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 no I heard that he uh, He smokes regular cigars Oh, will he well? smoke a real cigar? Yeah, yeah, yeah Seems like
1: he was talk- I seen an interview or something Where they're saying He was smoking a flavored cigar Which Wow, <laughs> wow. Immediately made me like him less
2: He's <laughs> <laughs> a good quarterback,
1: man He is <laughs> You've got such a funny yardstick <laughs> I do Absol- Absolutely Well, okay I just don't think Flavored
2: cigars are real cigars Well, you know, I guess it depends who you talk to. Uh, I mean, they they sell. And believe it or not, I've seen in all the events that I do over the nation, you know, that there's a lot of men that smoke uh, uh, flavored cigars, not just women.
0: Well, they're still hand-rolled, largely. A lot of them are. They still have to undergo a lot of the same... I mean, the, the labor to make them is the same as
2: it is. Here's my thing. I mean, I am not going to say the place yeah. or the state, but I, you know, I, I have a flavor cigar that is called Sugar Tip, mm, right? It's a robusto size. All right. And I was doing an event, <clears throat> and a uh, big guy comes in, 350, 350 pounds, uh, tall guy. He had to be 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, oh, Okay so I greeted the guy and I said uh, what do you usually smoke so it was funny he gets close to me and whispers my, in my ear and he says I like flavor cigars <laughs> see so I looked at the guy and I said you like flavored cigars he says yes but I stay on my lane mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the answer <laughs> so I mean what can
1: I tell you You know, it's. Well, so here's my theory about flavored cigars. I don't think you flavor good tobacco. I feel like flavored cigars start out with a lower quality of tobacco.
2: Well, it's more of a flavor of what it is, you know, whether it's chocolate, vanilla, you know, it's more of that. Coffee. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is there a particular type of tobacco that takes flavor better?
2: Well, I can tell you one thing. I know for a fact that, uh, example, in Nicaragua, the, there's a few guys that uh, they only make uh, flavored cigars. And you cannot mix where you make a flavored cigar with a regular cigar. Because before you know it, the regular cigar will become. Pick up that flavor. A flavored cigar. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, while we're myth busting, I got another question for you. Is the cellophane around the cigar to keep flavors from blending between cigars in the humidor?
2: You know, that's a good question. I, um, I see a cellophane basically more of a um, safeguarding the cigar than For, anything From damage else. and transport and right. things like that? Right, right. Because don't forget that they go from, uh, whether it's Nicaragua to the U.S., from the U.S. goes to the retailer... And, 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 and the box, by the way, has to be perfect. Mm. As a matter of fact, when we uh, order boxes on a particular cigar, we usually give the box maker, uh, if it's a box of 20, we give him 20 cigars. Because that box has to be not tight, not loose. Mm. So you figure that one out. It has to be just right. Yeah. For that reason. Now, I can also tell you that cigars, and I know companies that do that, they don't put cellophane on cigars. Now, the cigar looks nicer. If it's a good cigar and a good wrapper, it looks nicer without the uh, cellophane than with the cellophane.
1: Yeah. So, uh, we'll do another article here in a minute. I, mean, I've, I've, I
0: was actually going to ask a follow-up
1: question. Oh, if go I'm ahead. Al- if on. I'm
0: allowed to speak on this episode, I'm not sure. But do, do you do any box press cigars
2: or all of yours in the round? No, I do box press. I have a, actually, I do have a Tripoli Hero that is a 6x60 box press that is a very good cigar. I also have a uh, 7x50 Maduro box press as well.
0: I think I might have had that now that you mention it. You did. You had it at my house. That's right. Yeah. Is, are the tolerances for the boxes stricter because you have to fill that volume, or is it, or do, is it a little bit easier?
2: Well, the th- no. The thing about box press is that uh, it's, you, first you have to make the cigar the way it is, mm. and then you press it. Now, when you press the cigar, has to be like perfect mm. because if you press it too much, you lose the draw. Yeah. Now, also, you lose a lot of wrappers as well. Pressing it. Cracking on the seams. Yes. You lose a lot of wrappers. Yep.
1: So, what's... Is it just the difference... So, sometimes I get a box press, and it's a box press, but it's kind of got rounded corners. And then sometimes I get a box press, and those corners are
2: so tight I can shave with them. Is that just a difference? That goes on the mold. It's about the mold. Yes. Now, if you use a wood mold, it's not going to be like that. Now, if you use a plastic mold, then you get the round, you know, the finish. Oh, the okay. Head. It's beautiful. Sorry, I'm going to ask one more question.
1: Go <laughs> no, I heard you take a breath like you were about to say something. But I've, no, I've enjoyed my cigar. Okay, so... Does the wood...
2: First, what wood are the molds made out of?
1: If I was going to make a cigar mold for our seaweed cigar,
2: what wood would I make that mold out of? You're talking... Well, nowadays, most of the factories in Nicaragua, they're switching from wood to uh, plastic. Why is that? The finish. The finish is a little better on plastic than wood. Once you bunch the cigar and you place it on the plastic, the finish is much much nicer. But so
1: if I but if I was gonna make a wooden mold, would I make it out of cedar? Would I make it out of oak? Would I make it oak. out of hickory?
2: Oak. Oak. No, you don't want cedar. Don't want no. too cedar too soft? Oak, yeah. Oak.
1: Does a mold ever take on enough enough character from the cigar? Enough leavings from the cigar that it's no longer good? Or does it just get better with time? I mean, how many cig- so if I built a mold today, how many cigars could I press out of that mold? Well,
2: if it's oak, that thing will last. Uh, I mean, as a matter of fact, I have a, uh, in my warehouse in Miami, I have a, uh, a mold that was given to me uh, 20 years ago. When it was given to me 20 years ago, that mold probably had 10, 15. That thing will last forever. It's like a, a Chaveta. Right. The chaveta is The real Chaveta is made out of a handsaw. I mean, okay. that thing can last forever. How often do those have to be sharpened? You know, that's a good question. And you know what? A Chaveta, for a roller like this gentleman here, mm-hmm. he, that's his personal item. Now, when you're talking about sharpening a Chaveta... Really, you don't sharpen it. You just kind of hone it. Right. Just enough to be able to cut the wrapper properly. Mm. Now, if you sharpen it too much, you break the wrapper. So in other words, it's just enough to be able to cut the wrapper. And like you said, it it's unique
0: to each roller. So he's going to maintain it. He's oh, going to take man, care that's, of it.
2: That's, that like has to be a personal item for a roller. Gotcha. Now the guillotine, the casquillo, they don't really pay that much attention to. It. But a chaveta, that's that's a personal item. That's an heirloom piece. Oh yeah, yeah, that's. Uh,
1: now say the name of the guillotine again.
2: Guillotine. Guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> Guillotina.
1: <laughs> Guillotina. Okay. I thought I thought it was something fancy. I thought no, you said no, Castaneda no, no. or no, something no, like no, that. No, I thought it was something no, fancy. No, 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 uh, no. Okay. Why can I not buy one of those? I've what? looked at, what a of guillotine like that. I've looked around trying to buy one of those, and I've never been able to buy one of those. Well. Is it, is it a cigar supplier thing? No, we can work that out. Okay. All right. I got a big guillotine <laughs> coming <laughs> soon. Important things are happening <laughs> but, on the show. That's right. There's major, major stuff going on here. Now, that's another item that will last forever, mm-hmm.
2: a guillotine. Does the blade have to be replaced? No, no. The only, basically, the only thing that breaks on a guillotine is the, uh, sp- the spring. Okay. Yeah, and that, I have 20 at my warehouse. You just
1: replace it and keep going. And, and that's it. Okay, so I want to talk about this article. And I'll, have you ever met Luciano? and I'll um, Luciano cigars Luciano Moreas yeah Luciano Moreas thank you no okay he was on the, he was on the show a year or two ago with us and I'll he's opening his second factory and so here he says that he's gonna have 17 tables this is a brand new factory and they're gonna produce five to 6,000 cigars a year what? a year? Or, a day or excuse me a, a, day. a day yeah sorry five to 6,000 cigars a day so, say if you divide 5,000 no, by I, 17...
2: I, I, I know I know where you're heading. Yeah, well, okay, you got 17 tables. Uh-huh. You have two per table. You have a buncher and you have the roller, right? Right. Now, traditionally, depending on the size of the cigar, okay, uh, unless it's, it's, a, uh, it's a Salomon or even a Lancero, which are the two most difficult cigars to make in a cigar factory, Lancero because of the width 38. If you make a simple mistake, the draw goes away; it's gone. Now a uh, Salomon is a shape of the uh, and the finish with the teeth. Okay. You know, that's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I would say that the average per table a day is anywhere from three to 325. Oops. So you multiply that by 17. That's they about right. Like 5,200 cigars a day.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. So that. So that's. So the numbers check out. Yeah. 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 The numbers from this article check out, and I mean, and these are just simple tables. I mean, the picture I'm looking at here of the new yeah. factory. Oh, that's it? Just simple tables. Did y'all have to start doing anything after COVID more extreme or anything as far as cleaning and sanitizing and all that, oh, or yeah. is it always? Oh
2: yes, definitely. We had uh, uh, what do you call plastic uh, plexiglass. Right, and the beginning—believe uh, it or not—most of the uh, employees at the factory had face masks. We we you saw, know as a matter of fact, I can tell you that in Nicaragua, right this minute, presently, there are uh, supermarkets that if you don't have a face mask, they won't let you in. Now, at the airport. They're more strict than the U.S. Are they really? Oh, yeah. If they see you without a mask, they'll come up to you and say, hey, you know, where's your mask? Well, that's awesome.
1: Well, Pedro, we're starting to get busy, and there's a lot of guys coming in here, and I hate to see you missing the
2: opportunity to sell a cigar. Hey, listen, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and Trey, and, uh, and I really enjoyed it. I enjoy every second of it.
1: Well, thank you for joining us. I'm going to let you lay down your mic and run up there and kind of sell some cigars sell and Sell some all.
2: cigars. But
1: thank you for stopping and talking to us It's tonight. always
2: a pleasure. You can always count on me. The pleasure is ours. Yes. Thank, thank, you. You. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pedro. Thank you.
1: And we're going to hit a few more articles before we call it a night. And, um, Trey, you know how to turn that microphone off? I, I assume, sorry, y'all. This is a, a moment where we're slowing. It's done. <laughs> Where we're slowing down, but we're going to hit another article or two. I just hate i hated to have Pedro here. No, I know. And he's, guys he's, up there yeah. asking poor Oscar questions, and Oscar doesn't speak English. Yeah. And so Oscar's kind of, he's got a translator. I know one of the guys up there actually speaks Spanish, and I see him doing a little translating, but i I didn't want to hold Pedro here and have him miss it. So let's do a follow-up to an article we talked about last week that you and I argued about earlier before the show.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't want to argue on the show. I don't, we, I don't think we need to go back into that. When did or that we, start? Well, about this article, <laughs> I kind of got it out of my system, and, okay, and well, it devolved into some other topics. that.
1: That's uh, true. We did chase a rabbit. So quality importers who
0: own Zycar, and we talked about some of their struggles with their warranty program. They announced this week that they are going to start a flagship program similar to like the Drew Estate Diplomat, where retailers who spend X number of dollars with quality importers across their varied brands will be will get an elevated status. The perk there are a handful of perks. One of the one we're interested in is it's going to allow warranty transfers over the counter in the retailer again. Which I think is a really good move. I think it shows that Zykar has recognized what a damage r- changing that policy did to their brand. Are you waiting for me to get on no, my soapbox? No, okay. I'm, I'm, listening, I'm listening with rapt <laughs> attention. You, you look like you were like, go on, go on, no, say I'm, your piece. I'm, I'm shifting gears. Carry on. Okay, no. So, I mean, like I said, I, I like this. I do still dislike the fact that it's only select retailers. I think it's a shame that the retailers, only the retailers that spend the most money with you get to treat their customers the right way. Uh, You and I disagree about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't look at it that way. I look at it as a perk of, you know, membership has its privileges. I look at it as a perk. This is something they're able to offer to their retailers to add value to their product actually being in the you know, being featured as opposed to Calibri as opposed to well, see, Lotus Calibri does over-the-counter
0: the exchanges now.
1: Okay, but I, I think this is kind of a perk Zykar is working toward.
0: Yeah, but it's it. I think, and I will I will be you know fully transparent and admit the fact that the reason this chaps me so much is the fact that they were the first company to do that, and then they took it away. Right, and now they're realizing how stupid they were, and they're they're bringing it back, but with strings attached.
1: So, do you think that hurt their market share, or do you think um, the nature of more people of Calibri stepping up and becoming better in the market? What do you you know? When I first started cigars, Zycar was it. Zycar was the the dominant force in accessories. Now it seems like that they may be number one, they may be number three.
0: I, I don't think they're number one. I think Lotus is probably number one at this point. Just because is it is it black label? Is that there or are they yeah. vertigo, whatever? Who who that market is, is where the real growth has been, that that budget budget lighter. I I am a little biased. I would probably guess that Calibri is number two at this point because I used to walk into every humidor. Every cigar shop and see the Zycar case full up and no Calibri anywhere. Now it's the opposite. I see, right. Z- I see Calibri everywhere. I go, I haven't seen a Zycar case except for a handful of shops. A brief timeline. So Calibri was, was top of the mark for like, let's just say starting in the 90s, it was before that, but let's just say from the 90s until like the early 2000s, Calibri was top of the mark. Then Zycar comes on the scene. And they have the unlimited, unconditional lifetime warranty. And their quality was was good. But it was you were reassured to know if anything ever went wrong with it, even if it was your own damn fault, you were covered. Right. Well then Calibri has an issue, and this is in the early to or mid mid to late 2000s they have an issue where their chinese manufacturers stole their piezo's the piezo ignition system uh, was trademarked the the company that was doing their manufacture took their good piezo's put them in other lighters and put cheap remakes in theirs okay that started Calibri's quality following, falling off Then you had the bankruptcy in 2012 and the receivership, and then the new company not honoring the old company's uh, warranty. It was around this time that that market share started to shift because right before they went bankrupt, the original Calibri instituted an unlimited lifetime unconditional warranty just like Zycar's. It was too late, and they bungled it, and Zycar was able to step in. Even at that point, though... I owned probably three or four Calibris and three or four Zycars at the time. My Zycars, under the new Calibri company, like that same timeline, the Zycars were not as reliable. They were not as high quality. They've never been as good a quality, I don't think, outside of that, that batch where Calibri was having manufacturing issues. The problem was, if you didn't lose it, you could exchange it. Right. And so I think what we found is now Calibri has been a lot more innovative in the products they're offering. They have the best V-cutter on the market, and they have for over 10 years. I said this was going to be a brief history, and it's not. But yes, we're seeing the market shift that way, but it's, it's an ebb and flow, and I guarantee you we'll see it go the other way, too.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's the nature of any good free market economy, is you do see first and second always jockeying in for, for position. And I th- th- think that makes an important—that's an important part of it. That's an important part of us getting better products as a consumer. Is the fact that they do have to jockey for the positions. They do have to constantly improve and trade on being better.
0: And I do hope Zycar addresses the reliability issues. I think you know. And when I was selling Calibri, the one my my take my 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 one line pitch used to always be. If you put an identical Zycar and Calibri side by side, you're gonna pay thirty percent more for the Zycar because you're paying for the warranty. And what they're counting on is that you're gonna be one of the sixty-five percent of people who buy your product that lose it before they ever have an opportunity to trade in on the warranty.
1: Right. That's that's what they're going for. Or you just don't you just for whatever reason don't trade in. But you know, Lotus Um, A friend of mine has a Lotus lighter that he had engraved, that he had everything, and the mechanical part of that lighter started going bad. He sent it to the Lotus factory. They charged him a nominal fee. It wasn't much. Yeah. And they completely replaced the mechanism in that, but he got to keep that engraved case. And that's a good feature Lotus had. It it is, and they will
0: all... So Zycar and Calibri will do that also. So if you you do have something... So that that was another sort of... Component to the Calibri debacle was that they went from a repair model to a replace model. And there were a lot of people who had heirloom, because you've got to remember, uh, Calibri's been around since 1923 or something like that. So you had a lot of people with heirloom pieces that lost them. Oh, yeah. And they had to fight the company to get them back because they weren't repairable, they wanted to replace it. Right. And they wanted to get that, like, light, yeah. grandpa's lighter back. Yeah, but they'll all do the, uh, a repair now. But you do that's not covered by warranty. You have to pay for it.
1: Well, I just wanted to follow up on that from last week. Now, before we wrap up, I want to have our cigar-versation. I'm still waiting on a new name for this I know. Segment. I'll
0: work on it this week. I said that last week, but I mean it this time.
1: If you could immediately solve any unsolved mystery in history, what mystery would you choose and why? I do appreciate that
0: that you put in the footnotes that yours isn't Bigfoot? Because to you, it's not a mystery.
1: Well... Is that is that the reason? The, I'll, I'll tell you, the worst thing that could happen to my love of Bigfoot would be for them to find one. Right. Because then it's no fun. The mystique is gone. Yeah, then, then we're just studying another animal. We're right. just studying another type of animal. Um, there's no... Yeah, there's no excitement. Now, yeah. if they found out that the transdimensional guys are right and it's a new line of physics, sure, that would be... <laughs> that would be exciting, but for a whole different reason. But for a whole different reason. But, uh, but yeah, I wouldn't want to know the answer to the Bigfoot mystery. All right. And i um, After our conversation earlier, I might want an answer about seaweed cigars. Right. What seaweed has the most nicotine content in the ocean. But, no... I would really like to know what happened to... You remember the Lost Colony? Um, Jamestown. Yeah, and they all it had was... Or no, Roanoke. Roanoke. Yeah. All it had was Croton, that yeah. one place that was marked. I've read a dozen stories of supernatural occurrences causing yeah. that colony to be lost. I'd like to know the answer to that. I'd like to know what happened to that. Did they all get a disease? Did they all walk off into the woods? Did they take off on travels? I like know the answer to that particular mystery. I guess if I had one that I could solve, that would be the one I'd want to solve. Interesting. So I haven't had nearly
0: as much time to think about this as you have. Uh, so I ha- didn't have a chance to look up the name of it. But I've, I've heard some anthropologists and historians talk about there was there was a city in, I want to say... Around the time of ancient Egypt, Rome, and Greece, when the three of them all coincided briefly, and there was a particular city that was a central trade point for all three great civilizations. I don't remember the name of it. I wish I'd have thought to to look it up on the break. And many of the historical writings that we have from the time that we've learned, we know about this city. We know that it was you know, the a super city of its time unlike any other place no one knows where it is because in all of the writings no one ever said it's at latitude and longitude blank or right. it's they said you just
1: fun- drive till you see the big city they didn't even say that
0: it was such an established focal point of society that no one ever thought to write down where it is and so it just disappeared, and nobody know. Th- there were never any directions about if you leave Cairo, go east, northeast for three days. It, it, no, no directional, we
1: have no idea where it was. So you'd like to know where that's. I'd city like to is. know where it was. It'd be awesome if it was like Atlantis. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that, if it used to be Atlantis, Atlantis was my second guess. Atlantis was your second mission. Yeah. Atlantis been getting getting a lot of publicity in lately from different, you know. And it may be that I'm because I listen to the Bigfoot stuff, which bleeds over into the UFO stuff, which bleeds over into to yeah. all of the the more supernatural stuff that I end up getting a little more of that. So that may be why Atlantis was kind of at top of my mind. That's interesting. At all, but I've I've never had a lot of interest in Atlantis. It's just not. Not my genre, not my shtick. So the
0: reason it intrigues me is similar to you with Bigfoot. Because the idea was that it wasn't a truly land-based society. Like it was an underwater, like it was always underwater. It wasn't just... So you had sort of humanoid, hybrid, marine. That intrigues me. That type of You're a mermaid guy. But they weren't mermaids because they had legs. Right. So it was, it was an aquatic,
1: bipedal uh, society, and I think, that, I think that's cool. Well, you know, that um, the mockumentary about mermaids, the lost evidence that Discovery Channel did, where they talked about finding the mermaids, and it was, it was all made up. Right. And Discovery Channel got a lot of flack for that, and rightfully so. And because they were, it really damaged Discovery's relationship, but they did advance a theory about bipedal, um, bipedal evolution going into the sea. Yeah. was one of the things they addressed And that if you've never watched the documentary and you can just watch it from the standpoint of something, you know, completely fictional to watch, it's actually not bad.
0: Can I admit something to you? Speaking of the mockumentary thing that, that sure. discovered it, they got me with Megalodon.
1: Oh, they got my nephew with Megalodon.
0: They got me with Megalodon. Yeah. It took me... I mean, it took me about a week, and I was talking about it with somebody. They were like, you're an idiot. And I was like, okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It makes a lot more sense. Oh, the Megalodon one was great. They did a great job. They did an amazing job. Making that up. I mean, that that was um, Emmy Mm award-winning material, the way they, they stood that one up. But, okay, tell me what you think of the Sangre de Toro with a little age on it. It's really good. I...
0: I, I can't even really give you much flavor profile out of this unique wrapper. It actually reminds me a little bit of... It has a little bit of a sun-grown flavor to it. Um, it's, it's really good. I'd,
1: I'd call it a six. So doing, I'm doing a little market research for another project that I'm working on. It was a six and a half. Space tobacco. <laughs> no. It was a six and a half by fifty-two. What did you think of that vitola? Between between a Toro and a Churchill. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm I
0: I love this size. There are okay. a couple of people that make cigars kind of the six and a quarter, six and a half by fifty-two, fifty-four. I'm I'm all
1: about that. See, I, I am too. I love that size because to me you don't get the the mouth stretch of a Gordo. Right. But you get that extra inch of cigar, extra half inch of cigar that you really want from a lot of good Toros. Yeah. So I was curious what you thought about that size. Of course, my 10th anniversary, for me, it's always a seven. I could see for the average person how it would be a six. Yeah. But for me, it's always a seven. But it's also, it's no secret that I have a great relationship with Don Pedro. Right. And that when I sit down, and it's one of the great things, when I sit down and smoke one of Don Gonzalez's cigars... I kind of feel like I'm smoking with a friend. Yeah, even when he's not there. Yeah. So there, there's no doubt some emotional connection to me on that. I get that. that. Well, how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at facebook.com slash thecigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter
0: at thecigarcast, and, in, and uh, email info at thecigarcast.com.
1: Well, everybody, please give us a good rating and review. If you get a chance, whatever podcast means you're listening to us, go in there and give us a quick rating and review. That really helps the metrics. I've noticed our our followers are growing. Yeah. And we're getting more and more people coming over to the Cigar Cast, and that's largely due to the people doing good reviews for us and helping us out with that. Yeah,
0: we definitely appreciate
1: it. So please keep up the good work, and until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.